0: Welcome to Talking Impact Investing, a podcast about impact investing, ESG factors, and about sustainability. I'm your host, Matej Suchetz. This episode's main topic is how does sustainability play a role in organizing large live events? And we have a perfect special guest for this episode. As in late 2021, I talked to Molly Crouch, who's an expert for sustainability in the field of events and hospitality. Molly is currently Director of Sustainability at Sodexo Live, and has since 2008 worked in the same role for CenterPlate before the company recently rebranded. Among many other topics, we discussed how the Super Bowl, Olympic Games, and Tour de France are organized considering sustainability. Molly also talked about how Michelin star recognized restaurants source food sustainably, and she also discussed the ESG setting priorities on a corporate level and local sustainability progress for the area of Central Florida. Without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. Molly, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Matej. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, and let's kick it off. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got involved with sustainability in the first place?
1: Absolutely. So prior to working with Sodexta Live and Center Plate, I worked with Levy Restaurants, which is another large um, uh, convention uh, provider for food and beverage. And then prior to that, I worked at Universal Studios. So um, I got, I loved events starting at Universal. We had so many cool things, got to see so many cool people and and do such cool stuff. I was there for the opening of City Walk and the opening of Islands of Adventure here in Orlando. It was just a lot of fun. Um, But then I got tired of getting rained on and got tired of sweating and uh, decided that maybe an indoor job might be a little bit better for me. So I went to the convention center and started as the director of banquets there, which is a very large uh, role at uh, Orange County Convention Center, which is the third largest convention center now. Um, In the US. So I stayed there for a little while, um, realized I still really liked it. I left a little bit due to some personal issues with my family. And when I decided to get back into food and beverage, uh, Center Plate was going for the bid at the Orange County Convention Center. And part of Orange County's bid, actually in 2008, was to have an environmental uh, person on staff full time to advance sustainable initiatives that the building wanted to advance, as well as what they wanted the food service provider to advance. So it was really unique. There were, there wasn't really anybody doing that um, at the time, certainly not anybody putting it in a, in a request for proposal, an RFP. And so my boss that I'd worked for before called me up and said, you know, I've got this unique role. Uh, I'm not quite sure what it means. Uh, we don't have a job description for you. Um, and what, what would you like to take it? And I, my first question was, how many employees do I have? And he said, none. And I said, then yes, I'll take it. Um, so, because I had so many employees prior and I just you know, I was ready to just focus on me and figure out what I could do. So I came on board and there was a deputy director in the building, Jane Addison. She was very uh, big proponent of sustainability. I wanted to advance the, the building's sustainable efforts. Um, the building was just starting to uh, get into uh, doing uh, unique things. When I say unique things, they were they were reaching out for grants. They were looking for ways to add sustainable features to their buildings. They have two buildings. One was built in the 80s. Uh, in phases. And then the other one had just opened in 2003, the North-South building, which was much newer. And so they were looking to go for uh, lead certification in some level. So they eventually hired on a sustainability coordinator. And I worked directly with that person to try to, again, advance what we could. So they got a one megawatt uh, uh, solar array on top of the North-South building as part of a grant through the state of Florida. Um, and at that point, started to revamp some of what was built in the North-South uh, to try to make that lead. Uh, they ended up getting lead gold um, they came to us and said, you know, what can you do to, to participate in the Lead Gold Point system? Unfortunately, food and beverage teams don't have a, a ton of play in that. Uh, if you look at, at Lead and what the point, you know, system is, it's mainly around uh, purchasing and, you know, how far you've purchased your stuff and what you're purchasing and the items. And so back then in 2008, there wasn't a ton of sustainable profit, you know, uh, products out there. A lot of there just wasn't a lot. Uh, there weren't even a lot of companies doing recycling. There weren't local companies doing a lot of recycling. Uh, there still aren't any local companies doing organic recycling for food waste. We've had players come and go in the market, but they haven't stayed. So I just worked part and part with them. And and in the meantime, I filled in my work with doing other things. I became an asset manager an equipment manager, inventory control, capital improvement projects. And capital improvement was really where we were able to start making some good dents in, in what we wanted to do. So anytime we were redoing a food court or a restaurant, I mean, we were able to put some of those sustainable features into the building of those, which was really great. Um, and then, again, we started to advance into the disposables and started using, you know, things like eco products and uh, things that were, you know, either made from compostable items, made from recyclable items, or were compostable or recyclable on the other end. And so we just kind of expanded from there. And then in 2015, we started the idea, Jan Addison was getting ready to retire, and she wanted to kind of leave a legacy in the building. So we started working with her on a garden, and it eventually uh, came to be an aeroponic garden. We have, a, we call it the center-to-table gardens. We started growing in 2016. We harvest about 50,000 plants per year, utilized inside the building. Um, there are 81 aeroponic towers located in our, in our garden, and they're located in the Westwood lobby of the West building, which is the, considered to be the older building of the two. Uh, we have a, fa- we've partnered with a local farmer, a, a small business guy from Brazil, his name is Diego Dutra, he owns a company called Urban Smart Farms, and uh, he actually manages the farm for us, um, and it's been a wonderful thing. We grow all kinds of lettuces and herbs, a little bit of tomatoes and peppers, um, and then when the pandemic hit, we were able to kind of, the county was gracious enough to let us keep growing because they currently certainly could have shut that down like most of the world had shut down, um, but they realized the opportunity to be able to donate back to the community. So it became a, a giant, you know, community piece. So we were working with over 12 local charities, working with the city of Orlando and Orange County, and we donated over 50,000 plants within exactly one year time frame. We're still doing that now, even though we never really shut down, we never really stopped doing events, and we're still donating. So we donated roughly around 500 plants uh, a month. And then when I say plants, I think people think I'm actually like ferns. I, I don't mean ferns. I mean, the heads of lettuce. Um, But I don't always donate heads of lettuce. I do bundles of herbs and I do, you know, so so we just thought it was easier to call it plants. Um, But we've really been able to help those that were severely impacted by the pandemic as we are such a hospitality driven area. I just throw in the news the other day that we, hospitality is not our number one industry anymore here in Orlando, which is, which is sad, you know. And so the goal is to try to get those folks back to work and anything we can do to support them is what we do.
0: Sure. And, You mentioned a lot of different things in regards to sustainability that you're working on. How do you set those priorities and what's your guide in regards to that?
1: It's a great question. So some of those priorities are driven by our client at the Orange County Convention Center. Some of those are driven by our actual show clients that come to the building. So some of our clients have actually pushed us beyond what we thought our limits were. Um, an example would be McDonald's, and I know folks are going to go, you've got to be kidding me, um, but McDonald's is a very strong, uh, sustainable footprint in the world. They really actually do. Um, it's a kind of a grassroots campaign. It began in the middle of the company. It went up and it went down, um, but people have really embraced it. And of course, McDonald's is global, so their European uh, and Asian folks are doing a lot more sustainable things than we are here in the U.S., uh, but they pushed us to do like on, on-site composting on the show floor. So like you got groups of people that are sitting there eating and we had a, actually a compost station built out on the floor so that they could see what was happening to the waste. Well, we were cleaning off the plates we were putting them in the right spots. Um, we had onsite people taking organic matter um, which was wonderful. We had first company we used was somebody that was turning it into to feed for animals. Uh, second company was Harvest Power which was located on the Disney property. Uh, they, were, they were doing more of the methane capture uh, and putting that energy back to the grid. Um, they uh, shut down, unfortunately, and Disney is now doing their own thing, uh, not allowing outside folks to participate. Um, Our current waste hauler that the county contracts does have a a traditional old school shovel and turn uh, type of composting uh, yard in Sumter County. We don't advertise that that much because it's not in Orange County, right? But we do advertise that we do compost. So we're still collecting all of our organic waste. We have yellow toters on site to do that. Um, And that's just local. So I do work for Sodexo Live, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, Sodexo is a global company. They started in France. Um, The gentleman that started the company was green from the beginning, like way before it was cool in 1968. Um, You know, he wanted to help his employees, help them survive. And then that just grew to where he was helping everybody that was around. And so in Sodexo, they have a Better Tomorrow 2025 roadmap. A lot of interesting um, goals and and. And stuff they've already done. So in Europe, of course, they report, they have a lot more robust reporting over there because you, the EU requires so much more reporting. So carbon emissions and things along those lines. Sidexo is not just a food company. They're also a facilities company. So they actually operate the facilities of some of those properties as well as they do here in the US. They have many, many segments. Um, we used to call ourselves sports and leisure. Now we're Sodexo Live, right? As of like two weeks ago. So if if I say sports and leisure, just please understand that I'm still learning my new technology terms. Um, But basically what that means, I I work here in NORAM, North America. So, of course, there's different segments across the world, like I just mentioned, Europe and and UK and Ireland and then Asia. And so and then they have a little bit in Australia as well. So each of those has their own sustainability teams per section uh, and segment. Uh, so I focus on Sedexo Live. I, I am on the Better Tomorrow Leadership Committee for North America. And so in those goals, we're rolling out all kinds of programs that Sedexo started. Some of it is food waste related. Uh, they have partnered with Lean Path, which is a technology company that helps track uh, food waste. They measure it. Uh, you weigh it at the end of the night. Um, the goal is source reduction from that software. Uh, we in the Sodexo Live world are gonna try to do our best to make that a source reduction piece. It's It's more going to probably be for us a way to track our waste and what's happening with it, the donations, the amounts, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, It's hard for us to source reduce, and I'll give you a great example because I don't want anybody out there to hear me say this and not explain it. So for us, like at a hospital, which is where Sodexo has a lot of stuff and universities, campuses. So, you know, you serve the same menu, you have the same hours of the day that you're open Um, roughly the same amount of people, depending on your semester or, you know, how many folks might be in the hospital, unfortunately, Um, but they serve the same type menus. And so that has become uh, very easy for them to say, you know, I make mashed potatoes every third Thursday of the month. I seem to have four or five pans of mashed potatoes extra every week. I should probably make less potatoes. I should probably buy less potatoes. So there's your source reduction, which works wonderfully for them. For me, or for us in a convention or a live uh, sports arena or music arena or cultural destination, zoo, aquarium, whatever you want to call it, which falls underneath our sex live, it always isn't always the case like in, in museums, it is so we have MSI in Chicago, a cafe, they serve the same menu every day they're open at the same time waste watch is perfect for them. For us in the convention center world, I think honestly it's going to be a little more challenging we're about to roll it out into two or three of our convention centers. It won't be a thing to where I have 35 pans of lasagna left over. I need to make less lasagna. I need to buy less lasagna. It'll be, hey, why was there that much left lasagna, right? Was it, was it all women that came that day and they didn't want to eat the carbs? Was it a convention center that's located in a downtown area with a ton of eating, you know, opportunities right outside the building and they just want to step outside? Like in Florida, that happens a lot. They just want to step outside and see the sunshine, right? Um, or was it something where they had a gap in their day? They had sessions all morning. They finally had a gap and they didn't have any sessions till the afternoon. They thought they might go back to their hotel, so they went and ate there. So the meeting planners do the best they can to give us the best guarantee based on their show history. But of course, that's not always gonna work with, with what else is in the area. We noticed that in San Diego a lot, folks have good places to eat around San Diego, Colorado, you can step right out and find wonderful food right outside the door. Um, not that our food's not wonderful, but you know, as an attendee, you, know, you wanna get out of that building at least at some point in your day. In stadiums and arenas, I think it'll be probably pretty successful although I don't know if it'll still be a source reduction piece, but it will certainly be able to track our menu items and what's working and what's not working, and should we change some things and alter some things. So um, Better Tomorrow 2025 has a lot more other programs. That program is called Waste Watch powered by Lean Path, um, but there are many, many other programs that we work on, you know, animal welfare, um, K tree eggs, you know, sustainable seafood. There's a lot of other programs that we work on as well.
0: Thanks for sharing. That's such an insightful answer. And I was just about to ask you about food reduction, but you just explained everything so perfectly. So the next thing, So Sodexo designs unique catering and marketing packages for bigger events, such as Tour de France, uh, the notorious Super Bowl and the tennis tournament French Open. What are some of the biggest challenges when organizing that and how do you factor in the sustainability aspect?
1: Okay, so the organizing piece, since I have an operational background, I'll talk to that one first, right, Because um, the or, which I think also is very helpful in my sustainability background, because it, it does give me the idea to say, you know, this is going to be hard for our team to, to, to do, and here's why. You know, it's not just me saying that. I am actually have lived there and done it and, and tried it. So um, the Super Bowl, we'll start with that one. So the Super Bowl, I think the biggest challenge to that was just getting staff, right, and that was prior to the pandemic, so that was really our last big hurrah in January, February, actually, of 2020. And so, it was, and it was here locally, right? So the other piece was the, the credentials, right? So even if you wanted to add people, you had to have the credential piece in about eight months prior to the game. So, and then you know, everybody had to get all that stuff, background checks and all those things. So if we, wanted, if we ran into, oh my gosh, we're short people, there really wasn't a good way for us to get folks in there. Um, and so that was part of it. We were able to use temp agencies and, and have them blanketed, uh, background checked. In other words, the company itself. Uh, and then the company, you know, would need to get some background check. In other words, we could get them in early, the eight months early. Their employees were a little bit later. We could actually add them and say, hey, we're going to have 50 of those employees from this company. And they've done their own checks. So we were able to turn those in um, to security. But I think it was really that. It wasn't purveying the food. We have a wonderful chef, Chef Danny down there, the executive chef at Hard Rock Stadium is fantastic. She has a lot of um, social media following. Um, She's just a wonderful human being, right? She also does a lot of food rescue. So that was another piece down there. Uh, FIU, Florida uh, Atlantic down there, um, has got a big, strong program um, in their hospitality. And so we worked with John Bushman um, down there at at FIU and were able to do a food rescue on site as well. Danny, Chef Danny, had been working with them prior. He also had, uh, John Bushman, also been working with us for Art Basel. Which is at the, uh, which basically takes over all of Miami, but we, we house the press at the convention center, and some of the show is actually at the center. So we had already been doing some some of that with food rescue prior. Danny just enhanced it, um, and again, right after the right after the pandemic hit, which was very shortly after the game, she was able to then take a lot of the stuff she had already purchased and was there and was saving Um, because the stadium wasn't going to be open. It was turned into a vaccination uh, location and a testing location. But she was able to feed her staff. She was able to make box lunches for a lot of the shut-ins that couldn't get out. So she actually was able to keep her staff of 40 on staff and pay them throughout the pandemic and also do this wonderful thing on the side and and give back to the community. She worked with a lot of purveyors down there. got food donated. uh, Worked with a lot of companies that do the delivery of the actual food. So what we did is produce the food. We received it, produced it. I uh, packaged it, and then folks came by and picked it up and delivered it out to the greater Miami area, which was just a wonderful thing. The Super Bowl itself, she came up with all kinds of cool, really unique items for uh, what to offer. Again, local seafood, of course, is a giant thing down here. And then local flavors. So a lot of Cuban flavors, a lot of South American flavors, a lot of those, those great ethnicities that we have down there that make the wonderful food. Um, you know, we can do a hamburger and hot dog sometimes, but we aren't we aren't able to make some of that other really cool stuff. So she really used all of her connections uh, we utilized all of our food purveyors connections. And of course, we used corporate Centerplate and corporate Sedexo at the time uh, to enhance that as well. Uh, the Tour de France, you know, um, that's, a, that's a different, unique event. It doesn't require as much staff. Um, since Sedexo started in France, they have quite a, a, a bit of folks there. They have Lenote, uh, which is their culinary school. They actually send people from all over the world to go there. Um, so they were able to support and staff that as well. And again, there are specific restrictions and requirements for the Tour de France for the athletes to make sure that everything is the way it should be and and it has the protein in it that it needs and has the correct energy in it that needs less carbs, maybe that they don't need. Um, So the diet there was a little bit, I guess if that was a challenge, that if there was a challenge, it might be in the diet. And then just sourcing those products again during you know the pandemic at that point. We are so looking forward to 2024's Olympics. I can't even begin to tell you. I I am so Hopeful. I'll have to admit, I keep, I keep putting it on the wall, right? They say if you put it out there, right? So I have a, I have a little sign in my office, which I'm not there today, but it says Olympics, you know, Molly 2024. So I'm, I'm looking forward to going over there and supporting the team over there. But um, we have already been talking about it in our Better Leadership Tomorrow committee calls, um, and there's already been a lot of global traffic about it. So uh, that would be technically be called a live event, right? So I'm thinking, so that's a live you know, we'll, we'll be a big part of that. So um, we're looking forward to it. And I don't have much else to share right now because we're still in the planning process, but I know they're already working on staff, especially culinary staff, stewarding staff, the folks that, you know, really, really do the hard work. They move the food around, they pick the food back up, they get it where it needs to go. Um, but I know that we want to make a big splash in our, in our wasted version. Our goal is to reduce our food waste globally by 50% by 2025. That's where that better tomorrow 2025 piece comes from. So we will certainly use the wonderful idea that it comes right before the 2025, right? 2024 is going to be, you know, and there's a lot of lead up events that lead to it. So uh, we're just really looking forward to, to showing everybody what we can do and to tracking it and to making a difference.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. So exciting. Along those lines, um, so Sodexa has many partnerships with a uh, As you mentioned, some of the world-class chefs, some of them even recognized with Michelin stars. How do those partnerships work out and what is their outlook on, for example, ingredient sourcing and sustainability?
1: You know, local sourcing is a big piece of Better Tomorrow 2025. So not only are we trying to do the right thing once the food is is, is consumed, right, on the back end, but we're really trying to do the the right on the front end. So we want to make a difference in every community that we're in. Um, so the the chefs, so so in France, we have we have all the restaurants in the Eiffel Tower. And those are where some of those Michelin star chefs are located, right? Um, but they are they are because of our lenote school, our culinary school that's over there, they already have gardens on site, they already have the ability to do that. And then what they do is they actually work around the community. So over here in the US, we have we have taken that model and brought it here to the US. So when we go for a new bid at a, at a you know, a loc- actually I should talk about Manchester City. We're going for Manchester United as well. Uh, Manchester City have built all that great stuff in, in London. And so they wanna put gardens on their site. So we've actually been in a lot of communications with them about how to do that, what would be best for them and what might be best to involve the community in that same process. In other words, talk to folks that are already growing in that area, what grows well, what doesn't grow well. You know, what, 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 what could we benefit from what the climate is over there and, and just all those kind of cool things because it's different over here in the US, right? But in the U.S., what we do when we go for a bid and even when we're already in our existing businesses and coming up maybe for a renewal or just wanting to do it, um, you know, we approach our client. We we come up with these hospitality councils, these food councils. And so what we do is like in Nashville, we went around and we said, you know, we want to get the best bourbon maker in Nashville. We want to get the best person that grows, you know, corn. And we want to get the best person that grows wheat and grows grains. And so we brought them in and said, you know, here's what we were thinking about putting in the convention center. What do you think? And 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 how 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 can we make these menus a little bit better and and capitalize on what's local and what's seasonal? Because local is just you know the, I, I think the seasonal piece gets missed by people. And I'll use Orlando as an example. We have a group Produce Marketing Association. They come every year in December. And and of course, they're there to promote all the produce farmers across the U.S., across the globe. They all ship in the most beautiful produce you've ever seen in your entire life, the most beautiful oranges, the most beautiful squash that you've ever seen in your entire life. But they also do a plated lunch with avocados in the middle of December. So think about that. Those avocados have to come from South America. They can't even come from Mexico, really, at that point. And we have Florida avocados. They're much bigger than the normal avocado, but they don't grow during that time of the year. And so we've approached them and said, you know, it'd be kind of cool if we, you know, use something a little bit more seasonal. And so I think the seasonal piece gets lost in the local piece. And so what we've tried to do, like in Florida, there's a program with the uh, Department of Agriculture called Fresh from Florida. And they have a, you know, a website you can go to, but they have a all of, they list all the produce that's in season every month. And so, you know, with clients that are planning out future, you know, like they're like McDonald's is coming in April. And so we already sat down with them and said, here's what, you know, here's what's going to be seasonal leading up to your show, leading up to and during your show. And so they've sat back and said, all right, well, cool. Can you, we want to have a, let's say we want to have an Indian themed buffet. Can you take what you've already got there that's growing seasonally and locally and fit that into an Indian cuisine for that buffet? And so, so they want to see that process also. They want to track it. They want to advertise it. They want to say that they've made an impact on the community. They want to help the farmers. We have a local bee you know bee company here that that makes their own honey that's on top of a fire station black bee honey and they're teenagers from high school um you know and they started this process they learned how to do bees through the city of orlando and they provide black bee honey for us you know so there's a lot of really cool folks in colorado they have their own farm their blue bear farm that's located right on the property and again some of that's related to the client themselves the venue themselves wanting to do something for the community but a lot of it is, is the onus is on the food service provider to come in and go. We really we've already done our research and we found that you've got X, Y, and Z restaurants that use all local ingredients, or they're gluten free folks, or they're vegetarian or vegan, and we'd like to bring them in and either have them do a cart or have them run one of our concession stands or make a menu or help with some of the catering functions. And so every one of them has been so open to the idea and so excited to be able to involve those folks, you know. And we we even have councils at we had one in Baltimore. We had a council where some of those purveyors came in, we buy local grass-fed beef there. Um, we actually buy it here as well, but local like right in Baltimore area. Um, same thing with the seafood up there. We had a guy that comes in and they take those shells from the oysters and, you know, and they're rebuilding those reefs with that, you know, so they collect them, they come back to the building and collect them from us. We're feeding pigs up in Baltimore, right? So pigs have an actual specific diet. Pigs can not eat other meat, hard to believe, but, they, but there is an actual FDA and USDA rule about pigs eating meat, so they have to eat produce. And so, yes, we have to separate our produce from, from our other waste, but the farmer comes and picks it up. We've gone out to the farm. We've met the pigs. We've named the pigs. Um, you know, we've done dinners out there at the farm. No, we did not eat a pig while we were there. Okay, let me just clear that up. But we have gone out there and, and those kind of folks, they love the exposure. Right. Our clients love getting to meet somebody in their area, especially McDonald's and other folks that come annually or biannually to the same city. They really want to make a difference. They want to plant a tree or they want to uh, help a a local organization that's collecting, you know, clothes or or food or or needs that people have. And so it's just a matter of, if you don't ask, you won't know. But if you don't even offer, you're never going to get it. And so, you know, you show them what you do, you talk about other groups and sustainability. One of the things I love the most about it is it's not a competitive kind of, kind of, you know, industry. We all want to share. We want everybody to know what I, I, I'll share everything I have because I want to get more knowledge from them and what they're doing. And if I can augment something that they're doing and make it work where I am, that's fantastic. And the same thing across the country. We've really not hit any walls there. The clients, it's not even a, it's not even a, a company against a company to a point. You know, I'm on calls that has representatives from a lot of our competitors, uh, some that are not, um, but we just share ideas. You know, has this worked for you and how? And, and you know, would it work for a large event like this? And who is your contact? And may, I, and may I reach out? And so that's been just such a wonderful piece. That's one of the things I love the most about what I'm doing now.
0: That's so great to hear. And, and you talk a lot about the importance of community and engagement with the community. And the last thing it would be great to hear more is how do you see the central Florida and Norwich County going forward in regards to sustainability?
1: I think it's going to be fantastic. So you've already had a couple of the great leaders on your show. Uh, earlier, you had Jeff Benavides from Orange County, the S- Chief Sustainability and Resilience Officer. And then you've had Chris Castro of the City of Orlando. Um, same thing, uh, sustainability. They are, they are fantastic young leaders that are really opening the expanse. There's, just, there's never a no. There's a, there's a yes and um, attitude. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, they've also engaged a lot of the local leaders that were already doing some great things like myself out at the center. I, I'm not bragging on myself, but we were already doing some great things along with the sustainability coordinator, uh, which unfortunately is not there right now. But there's going to be another one coming soon. And so there's a lot of leadership there that wants to progress um, the city of Orlando and Orange County forward. So I think some of it is just looking at our infrastructure and finding out what we're missing. And I think that one of the biggest pieces is a food waste piece. Uh, an organic piece on site to be able to recycle that food waste here in the city. Um, Orange County is working on a landfill that they have that they're going to turn part of that into uh, an organics collection site. So because you've got your big players, your Disney's, your SeaWorlds, your universals, the Orange County Convention Center, again, third largest in the country. So and uh, and then all the hotels, right? So we have probably the most hotel rooms uh, per capita right behind Vegas. And so all of that put together the, the hotels themselves are already doing great programs, but again, they were, everybody was kind of individual. So I think, you know, coming together as a council is something that I think is going to be heading out in the future for us right now, uh, Jeff and Chris and myself uh, are on the special Olympics sustainability team. We have special Olympics here in central Florida next summer. And so, you know, in going and doing the tours of the venues, right, that we're going to have hold some of the events, we have found some real gaps of folks that aren't you know that could be doing better that aren't you know we're doing some stuff out at USTA you know we're looking forward to elevating what they're doing out there uh, their programs we're also looking to to take this council that we've put together as a task force and and have some open sessions for folks to come and join online and just say here's what can happen and here's where your resources are you know we're finding ways to recycle things you know chris and his connections with pure cycle and new cycle you know to take Uh, styrofoam and to take plastic and to take things that we don't normally recycle through the regular recycling system here. It's been wonderful. You know, the sustainable seafood and buying local and purchasing and and some of the purveyors here that are able to help with that. Jersey Mike's is one of our sponsors, the big ones. Um, And we've talked to them about their packaging and what's coming. And we've talked to, you know, Coca-Cola, you know, they're one of the big sponsors. We want them to, you know, do Dasani in a can, or at least in their plant, you know, based Uh, Bottles. If we're going to do it, our goal was to be single use plastic free. We're still going that direction. It wasn't our goal that we set because we know it's kind of a big lofty goal, but it was set by the games organizer. And so we're doing our best to try to make that happen. We're also going to provide, and I'm just using these examples that we were going to be able to apply to, to our location, but we're going to, we're going to give those athletes all something to, from their hometown, from their city of, of resources that they could find local farms and local ways to volunteer And and local things they could do to to help where they live and let them go home with that. So we want to leave a legacy here we're going to do some seedling plantings. Um, We want to do a sustainability event here. Uh, We're out at Lake Kane Marshall Park, right? We want to do some recycling out there that they don't normally do. So Chris and Jeff have been able to fill the gaps um, in these units that that don't have uh, maybe the, the tools and resources to do it. And, and we've already encouraged so many to want to reach out and try to find the right way. So I think we're just growing that piece. And it's really just becoming a collective, right? So governments don't tend to want to talk to each other, right? So sometimes. So when I worked for Orange County, you know, they don't want me to ever mention the city of Orlando. And the city of Orlando maybe doesn't ever want to mention Orange County, even though if you really look at a map, right, the city of Orlando is in Orange County. And so I think by having Chris and, and Jeff in those roles, there is no competition there. We are, we are the same team as far as we're considered. And I think that has a lot to do with it as well. You've got to have leaders that want to reach out across the aisle, so to speak, right? Um, and say across the boundary, I guess, the limit and say, you know, we want to work together. This is a collective for us all together. You guys can still market your stuff the way you're doing it. We will share the marketing piece, but we want Central Florida to be a leader, and so we do have some of those units that we're going to be doing the games down at Osceola, for instance, at the, you know, the Osceola Heritage Park. And so we've already started talking with Osceola folks, and they've got sustainability leaders in their county already. So it's just a matter of getting those folks together. We've all been, there's a compact that, has, that was made. Jeff was, was instrumental in doing a compact um, for some of our local uh, communities and, and counties prior to becoming what he is now in his, in his role previous. So I anticipate that compact will get larger. I went down to South Florida and their compact is very strong. They've got four or five counties down there. Their resilience committee is huge. You know, South Florida is sinking, right? And so trying to build that land up and keep Miami Beach, for instance, a Miami Beach and not just a sandbar, uh, which I guess technically it is, but, um, you know, just building that together was very encouraging. And Jeff was able to bring that up here and, and get some of these local folks and counties to, to join. So I think if we just keep expanding that compact and we keep bringing leaders in, um, you know, there's just no, no telling where we can go, to be honest.
0: Definitely. Molly, thank you so much for chatting with me today. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm glad you shared all of your expertise and knowledge uh, with us today. And thank you so much for taking the time. To-
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, Matej. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for staying with us until the very end. You can stay up to date with the upcoming episodes by subscribing. And if you found any useful information, feel free to leave a five-star review and follow Talking Impact Investing podcast on social media.